Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island where it has broadcast continuously for over 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show is also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival of which I am the founder and director along with the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which premiere in New York City every October and then travel the USA and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. Go to dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com to find out when we'll be where. I got the most adorable-looking book in the mail. It's called 101 Easy Enrichment Activities for a Healthy, Happy, Well-Behaved Pup, the title is actually Happy Dog by Chelsea Barstow. That's the subtitle, although it's above it. And it was just so charming looking. And I thought, yeah, I kind of know good things to do with my dog. I wonder what Chelsea can tell me I don't know. Well, we have hundreds of pages of things I never knew. Chelsea, congratulations on such a charming, useful, delightful, and completely original book. You have an imagination that just... Uh, it, it colors outside the lines, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. All right. So let's go back a little bit to who you were before you became Chelsea Barstow, 101 <laughs> Ways to Make Your Dog Happy. You have yeah. a Bachelor of Science degree in zoology from the University yeah. of New Hampshire, and you were a former zookeeper. Now, I know we're going to talk about the book. I highly recommend it, even if you have... I don't know, a 12-year-old beagle who doesn't want to do anything. This book has fun things you can do. But talk about being a zookeeper and getting a degree in zoology. I didn't even know there was such a degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I've always had an interest in animals growing up my entire life. So I knew I wanted to do something in my life, in my career with animals. I just had no idea. Um, so I went to UNH for a degree in zoology I do believe it's the only school in New England that has that degree, um, so I, I made sure to go there. There probably and, there probably aren't a lot of colleges in the United States that have it as an undergraduate degree. I'm going to guess. I don't. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Typically, it's animal science, but I knew I wanted zoology. So I went into that. And like I said, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But my dad had suggested, you know, why don't you take an internship at our local zoo? Um, So I did that my freshman year um, at the only zoo in Connecticut. So Connecticut's Bearsley Zoo. And that's where I learned all about enrichment for the first time. And it kind of just fascinated me. Uh, So I became a a seasonal after that and kind of continued on into my career working at a a few other zoos as well um, and continuing to develop my passion of enrichment, taking on different um, enrichment activities and in uh, just working with all the different animals and making sure that they are having the best quality care. Uh, And then I moved back to Connecticut and started working at a farm. And that's when I adopted my first dog, Levi. Uh, and that was about two weeks before COVID. So when COVID hit, all of a sudden I had this 10-week-old puppy at home. And I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, uh, cool. So started started uh, re- like using what I had learned from zoos with my dog. And then I started sharing that on TikTok and people started to love it. So I just continued to share those ideas. And it kind of developed into a book. Ah, so you're one of those people who was an internet sensation and became an author because of it. Is that true? Are you one of those upstarts? Um, I guess a little bit, yeah. I do have a a pretty good community on TikTok. um, And yeah, it's just been interesting to see how it's developed over the last three years. I believe I started in 2020. I think that's really quite wonderful because you were using TikTok to help other people, not to sell anything. So I kind of love exactly. that. You weren't yet another person telling someone how to shape their eyebrows, which I'm <laughs> sure people's eyebrows are fine without all this help that TikTok seems to offer. I think that the thing that struck me immediately with a lot of your ideas in the book, which are not typical dog enrichment ideas, it did remind me of a sanctuary that I know about in Los Angeles for large cats, i.e., lions, tigers, cats who've been kept in some horrible roadside zoo or something, and they're Mm -hmm. in this sanctuary. And a friend of mine has volunteered there for years, and she told me the story of how they give them scent enrichment. And there's certain scents they love, and I forget if peppermint was one of them, something you wouldn't necessarily expect. But that was their big thrill for the day. They would give them a cardboard box and would have this scent on it, and the cats would be fully absorbed and engaged. And you have your book broken down into various kinds of enrichment, and that would certainly fall under sensory. But I think that you've translated a lot of those ideas from animals that must be engaged because they're trapped behind bars unnaturally to dogs who are kind of sometimes trapped in really boring lives with people. And the people don't realize how much more fun their dog's life could be, and therefore in some way their relationship, by engaging their senses. Did you discover that when you started promoting these ideas or these concepts that you were kind of alone in this? Because other than people who go out and take training and scent work and train a dog to look for lost people in the wilderness, I don't think that's been talked about much. Yeah, I think over the years as I started sharing these ideas, um, it was, it's very niche and people didn't really know about it. So I'm happy to, you know, share my passion and my ideas about enrichment because people 
sometimes get dogs and don't really think about those things. Yep. Um, but it's absolutely an important part of their life that should and needs to be incorporated. And makes it really fun. I mean, I think yep. that's one of the, your, your book has a lot of joyfulness in it. It's not preachy. It's not, you know, there's a wrong way to do this. And don't you be that mm-hmm. person who does it wrong. You know, have fun with pumpkins. You have each of the ideas is almost in co- encapsulated on just one page. Now, that may have been your intention, but it makes it really easy to look at it and get the whole idea in one page. And I think that's really good for us because it's hard for us to hold an idea as we're turning a page and then another page. I don't mean that we're dummies, but if there's a new concept like having fun with pumpkins, your first thought might be, I don't have any pumpkins, or what do you mean pumpkins, or it's not Halloween. So like when you got that idea, um, did you think, well, what if people don't have access to pumpkins or you hope they would just read it during pumpkin season? Cause they're great ideas. Yeah. I tried to make things that could work for everyone and it might be a certain time of year. It might be that you need to, you know, be near a body of water if you want to bring your dog right. to the beach, something like that. So it can work for certain people, but hopefully it'll work for most people. And I tried to make it so that you, short and simple and sweet, but you can make it more challenging for your dog or even less challenging uh, and just make it as easy as possible for people. And substitute another, some other vegetable or fruit. Exactly. I mean, that's the the nice thing about it is it's not, it's not labor intensive. There's no, often most of your ideas require little or no expense. They're just using everyday objects or activities to look at them in a different way. Like for example, the the egg carton idea, that's pretty great. You don't have to spend $30 on a puzzle toy that both you and the dog get frustrated by when it breaks. <laughs> Talk about your egg carton idea because I think the part I almost love the most is, and the dog can destroy the egg carton. That's fine too. Yeah, uh, for the egg carton one, so it's you finish your carton of eggs and then you keep it. Um, for you would keep it if it's a cardboard one, the plastic ones typically won't work. Right. Um, and you can fill it, you know, with newspaper or paper towels or toilet paper rolls, anything really you have around the house that's of use to you. Um, and you can hide little treats in it, close up the carton and give it to your dog and they can either open the, um, the carton or they can tear it to shreds like my dogs will definitely do. (laughs) Um, And it just gives them an opportunity to display their natural behaviors in a way that's safe for them and doesn't worry you. It's it's a wonderful idea because it's so contained, the cardboard egg carton. It's just, it's it's there. You don't have to wait for the Amazon box and then re reseal the Amazon box. I remember one of my golden retrievers, uh, Roma, she, from the time she was really young, I would encourage her to destroy cardboard boxes after whatever had come in them was taken out of them. And boy, she loved doing that. I wouldn't let her do it on her own because first of all, she would really only do it with an audience and encouragement and like cheerleading. But I I don't know what you think about that, just a cardboard box. There's something about putting your foot on one flap of it and ripping apart the other part that's just incredibly validating and obviously way better than if You've left the dog alone, they're stressed, and they do your sofa cushions, right? Yeah, absolutely. I do the same things with my dogs. They are both shredders. 
Um, and ripping up cardboard boxes is one thing that I encourage if I give them the box uh, because they're going to shred anyways. So no matter what, they're going to display these certain behaviors. And by allowing them to shred the, that cardboard box, you're allowing your dog to be a dog. Right. And and it's not to say that every dog is a shredder or if you don't give them the cardboard exactly. box or the egg carton, they're going to do this to one of your beloved objects. It's just that they don't get a chance to do that pretty fun thing. You know, they have good mm -hmm. manners. You haven't encouraged it if you haven't encouraged it. So it's like shredding is like the lost part of their day. And then also you talk in the book about the different personalities of dogs. Like one of my dogs, and I've had her since babyhood, so it's not like, oh, gee, she had a terrible childhood and, you know, was abused, and that's why she doesn't play with toys. She does not even understand the concept of a stuffed animal, a thrown <laughs> object, a ball. You could, you know, try and model the ripping apart of a box or something like that. And she's like, what's your problem? I'm going to go mm -hmm. out and look for squirrels. Now, she's not a terrier. She's a Weimaraner, but that's how she's wired. So I think the other thing about the book is that it has so many different ideas that come from so many different directions that you really can fit it to your dog's personality but not feel there's something wrong with your dog if they don't want to seek the treat, like in the bottom of the bucket. Talk about your bottom of the bucket idea. I would love that. And my favorite part is you say, make sure the bucket is large enough that your dog's head does not get stuck. And I'm like, Chelsea, seriously, do you think somebody would really do that? And I thought, yeah, they probably would. So <laughs> yeah, thank you for the I warnings also. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I need to put those warnings in just in case. I mean, you never know. Um, but for that one, yeah, you would you could pick, um, you know, a children's sand bucket if you have a smaller dog or something as large as one of those like big tote buckets if you have something like a Newfoundland. And you can kind of layer it. So usually I'll do like treats or food at the bottom and then maybe put in some to some of your dog's favorite toys, maybe some newspaper, paper towels. You can put in an egg carton if you want to and just kind of keep layering it and maybe add in some more treats uh, and then give it to your dog to find out. So it's kind of like a surprise bucket um, and they get to enjoy everything that's in the bucket. It's such a great idea because it's so simple and simplistic and, and serves so many purposes. The dog is playing sort of hide and seek or, or find the, the hidden object and getting rewards and just having fun being goofy and, and, not, and not worrying that you're going to get in trouble or you did the wrong thing or you're not allowed. It's like, go for it. I think that, don't exactly. you think that's one of the kind of uh, driving forces behind the book is encourage natural behavior that the dog may not even have discovered for himself yet? Exactly. Yeah. You want to bring your dog's personality out and to find out who they are um, and encourage those behaviors more and more. So that's why I have so many different activities. You can try them all. Your dog may love some, may not like others, and that's how you find out more about them. And same with you. I mean, we're also, we also need to be engaged and think it's fun. And we have to be exactly. having a good time too. So it's not yeah. like, oh, go to exercise class and do these horrible sit-ups you hate. It's more like, wow, you can go to Zumba and dance if that's the thing that you like doing. And the same thing with a lot of these, these activities like pop and play with bubbles. Now, that's really good for a dog of any age and for a person of any age and mobility. Talk about that idea. That's actually two pages, but it but at least they're side by side. You can read the whole thing with just one opening of the book. 
Yeah, uh, bubbles are fun for everyone. Uh, <laughs> so there are two different kinds that I had in the book. There's um, you can use like regular children's bubbles, uh, the non-toxic brand, or they do make specific bubbles for dogs, which I love. Um, they're usually either scented or they have some sort of flavor to them, so that if your dog does pop the bubble and ingest a little bit of it, you know, it's not a big deal and it actually probably has an interesting flavor to yes. it. Yes. Um, so that's always one of my dog's favorite games, especially um, in the summertime. And and again, it can be a dog without a lot of mobility. It can be a senior exactly. dog, an older dog, and not a dog who likes to run and play or even fetch. But who yep. isn't fascinated by this bubble floating over their head? <laughs> and even if the dog doesn't want to pop it, you can pop it and see how the dog reacts to that. I, I think that's sort of the, the spirit of the book is try these ideas and then make them your own in whatever way is kind of organic to you and your dog. Or if you have multiple dogs, you know, obviously they aren't both or all going to like the exact same things. So that's another benefit. I think exactly. it's a wonderful and book, Chelsea. You've, you've really done something great with it. Just really quickly, what is a, a certified canine enrichment technician? Forgive me, but I've never heard of that. Did you make that up? No, I did not. It's a, it is a, a certification that you can get and you take a whole enrichment course where you find out a lot about canine enrichment. Um, so that was just a, a course that I had taken. I think that's great. And of course, I didn't think you made it up, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, if you if you don't want to take a course and be a CET, a certified canine enrichment technician, you can take the easy route. And get this fabulous book, Happy Dog by Chelsea Barstow, 101 Easy Enrichment Activities for a Healthy, Happy, Well-Behaved Pup. You brought a lot of joy into a lot of lives with this book, Chelsea. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. There were a few more special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, No Hide, and the hybrid dry food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimar on Maisie will eat. The show is also brought to you in part by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients to gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. My dogs love it every single day. 